This is the Artisan CEO Podcast, Season 2, Episode 1. On this episode, we'll be talking about why you need consistent office hours, even if you're a photography business of one and you work from home 90% of the time. We'll be covering both the professional and the personal necessity of predictable work hours, and I'll be answering the question, how do I get my clients to respect my schedule? Welcome to the Artisan CEO, where the art of photography meets the business of profits. This is where strategy and craftsmanship coexist so that you can run a creative business that supports a life you love. I'm your host, Abby Grace, and I promise to give it to you straight. For the first two years my photography business existed, I was also working a corporate job. So I'd been hired by a Fortune 500 defense contractor shortly after graduation from Radford University, and I knew that I wanted to be a full-time photographer eventually, but at that point I had really only been taking photos for about a year, so there was no chance that I was going to be able to make a living off of my photography just yet. I hadn't really found any paying clients, which is kind of an essential ingredient to that whole making a living off a photography thing. So. I gratefully accepted a position with Northrop Grumman and I set a personal goal to build enough momentum that I could go full time with my photography within two years. So I was in the office from eight to five with an hour long lunch break. And then again, because I was trying to build momentum to hopefully leave the corporate world behind, I was spending time in the evenings building Abby Grace Photography. And at first it was pretty slow. Like I spent my Saturdays in the summer and fall of that first year out of college, that was 2010. I spent the summer and fall apprenticing under another photographer who was very generous and allowed me to use the images that I shot at his weddings in my own portfolio. So at first, my evening work really only consisted of editing some highlights from those weddings and then adding them to albums on my Facebook business page. But as I talked more and more about the fact that I was photographing weddings, I thankfully got busier. I started booking clients of my own, which meant that I needed to spend time emailing with brides and building out a website and marketing this baby business of mine. 2011 was my first wedding season shooting my own weddings. I had eight clients that year. And between pre-wedding planning and engagement sessions and meeting with new clients and then editing and delivering galleries, I had less and less free time. And eventually, I got to the point where my daily schedule looked like this. Eight to five at my corporate job and then come home and work 5.30 to 10.30 or maybe 11 on my photography business, sometimes later depending on the week. And then I would shoot all day on Saturdays and Sundays. If it wasn't a wedding, then I would usually have an engagement session or a second shooting gig. Something needed to give because that kind of schedule is not sustainable. So after praying and planning and looking at the numbers, I left my job at my husband's urging. Thank goodness for Matt. Uh, I left my job uh, with Northrop Grumman in June of 2012 to go full-time photography. I remember those first few weeks in the office. I was so used to there never being enough time to get the photography work done that when Matt got home from his job, he had to come into my office and like almost pry me out of my chair. I had been grinding away for the last two years from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. that I did not know how to have healthy work hours. I just was like, there's never enough time. Any free moment has to be spent building my my photography business. So at first, I felt panicky, like legitimately panicky about closing my office door at 5 p.m. because I was so used to needing to squeeze every moment of productivity out of my day and the thought of having a normal, quote-unquote, normal, relaxed evening, it felt frivolous or even wasteful. 
But then I learned that spending an excessive number of hours in my office was not a badge of honor. No one was going to give me a prize for staying up until 2 a.m. to finish my edits. And, and actually, as a matter of fact, I learned that excessive hours spent at work might actually be a sign of inefficiency, not a virtue signal of how committed I was to my clients. Did some of you guys just go, ooh, Abby, that's a little too close to home. That doesn't feel good. Just telling it like it is, guys. And worse, my clients knew that if I was working that crazy number of hours, what did that say to them about my own health and the health of my relationships? I mean, I'm not a robot, neither are you. I'm just a business owner, and I'm a human being with human relationships outside of my job. If I'm working 24-7, doesn't that kind of communicate to my clients that I'm not really a human and they can expect superhuman feats from me? When the nature of your job is never finished, How do you establish healthy office hours? And then more importantly, how do you stick to those? Real quick, photographers, are you tired of lather, rinse, and repeating the same tired collection of forgettable photos from one brain session to the next? If you're ready to turn yawn-worthy galleries into the sort of results that thrill your clients and get you both noticed, then you're definitely gonna wanna join me for my free training, The Backstage Secret to Scroll-Stopping Brand Photography. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or you're just getting started out in the world of branding, this session is for you. I'll teach you my number one strategy for crafting stories that resonate with your clients and their audience, which is the biggest secret behind creating galleries that not only look stunning, but also drive engagement and sales for your clients, which, spoiler alert, is what keeps them coming back for additional sessions in the future. Because as brand photographers, purposeful matters more than pretty, but who says you can't have both? Our job is to think like a marketer and shoot like an artist, but you have to have both pieces of that equation. And learning to approach with the mindset of a strategist, that changes everything. So if you're raring to say goodbye to cliche galleries that simply repeat what's already clogging your Pinterest and social media, and hello to a method that drives brand loyalty and real bottom line growth, then head on over to abbygrace.co slash training. That's abbygrace.co slash training. It's time to leave those forgettable, smiling at a laptop photos in the dust in favor of a more tailored approach that's gonna leave your clients obsessed and already planning for their next shoot with you. One more time, that's abbygrace.co slash training. I'll see you in class. Here's why this matters. Small business failure rates are atrocious, especially among creatives. I've seen numbers bandied about as high as 85% failure rates in the first five years, specifically for photographers. How much of that do you think is due to burnout, working too hard for too long for too little return? We can talk about pricing appropriately in another episode, but today we're focusing on the working too hard for too long portion of that. You were not created to work or to think about work 24-7. You have other roles in life that matter outside of your work. But are you actually present when you're going through the motions of those other roles? Are you supposed to spend your afternoon with your kids, but half the time maybe your face is hidden behind your phone because you can't stop checking your email? Or maybe you're on a date night and you keep sneaking peeks at your social media to see what kind of engagement your last video got. That is not the kind of mom, wife, friend, sister, aunt, daughter, church volunteer, whatever that I want to be. And I have a feeling that the same is true for you. And I know that because you're listening to this podcast, which tells me something about you. 
I don't appreciate it when I'm with a loved one and they're scrolling on an app. I am notorious for telling my dad to get off of his phone (laughs) when we're all spending time together. And I want my kids to grow up knowing my face better than they know the back of my phone. Office hours are a discipline that help me be where my feet are. Sometimes it's really hard to step away from work because I'm engrossed in a task or I'm having fun working on something or I just really want to get every item on my to-do list checked off before I shut down for the day. But being a mom trumps all of that. My kids need me more than my to-do list does. You know how they say that actions speak louder than words? I want my children to know both because I tell them and because I live it out every day that they are more important to me than my work and office hours help me do that. If I'm in a groove and maybe the words are flowing fast, like maybe I'm writing a blog post or a podcast episode or a new lesson for my course, then I will communicate that to Matt and tell him how much extra time I think I need in order to wrap up. But that is an exception, not a rule. The general rule for me is that once my kids are up from their naps between 2.30 and 3 p.m., my workday is done because that supports the vision that I have for my family. Matt and I, we want to run a business that enables and supports a life that we love, We want to make sure that our business isn't getting the best of us while our family gets what's left of us. And a big part of that is sticking with office hours that we've both agreed to, which allow us to have the afternoons and evenings together as a family. Did my work days look a lot different before kids? (laughs) Absolutely. I used to work until about five every day, sometimes six. And I mean, if we're being honest with you, if we were in a really busy season, we would take our laptops to the couch and have dinner while we were working. Having kids forced me to be really honest with myself about how much I can actually get done in a day. And because my kids go to bed between 7 and 7.30, I don't want to work until 5. That would only give me two hours of awake time with them. And I want more time than that. So we changed our work hours to fit our lifestyle. My workday generally starts at 8.30 and ends around 3 p.m. And I schedule all of my meetings during those hours. I no longer meet in the evenings. I do not meet on weekends. This is a great part of being a brand photographer is that my clients aren't asking to meet in the evenings or on the weekends. They meet during normal work hours. If I know that I have a heavy workload during a given week, I generally don't push my hours into the evening. I get up earlier. And I will be honest with you, like that's hard. It's hard getting up early. I'm tired. I want as many hours of sleep as I can get, but my kids are more important to me. And so that means we go to bed earlier so I can get up earlier and squeeze in some extra work hours while my house is quiet. I know that I do my best, most focused work early in the day. So If it's a matter of needing more hours of work available, I start when I know my house and the internet will both be quiet because come 3 p.m., that's when I know I'm not supposed to be in my office anymore. That's when I'm supposed to be with my family. And truthfully, I don't do any of my best work after 3 p.m. anyway. My attention span starts to wane. I get distracted more easily. I'm definitely not in peak writing condition. So stopping work at 3 p.m. not only gives me the time that I want with my family, it also helps make sure that I'm not draining my energy only to produce something that I'm going to have to rewrite or re-edit the next day. Having margin is not just helpful. It's not just like a like a perk that people who've quote-unquote made it get. It's essential. You have to be able to close the door on work, whether proverbially or physically. If you have an office, you shut the door because there are other people in your life who deserve your full attention, but also because rest helps us do better work. 
Alex Pang's book, Rest, we'll link to that in the show notes. In his book, it's all about this exact concept, how rest is not a tax that we have to pay in order to do good work, but that rest and work are part of the same cycle. He calls it the crest and trough of the same wave. Like you cannot have good work without good rest. And since we as artists, and especially as small business owners, Since our work can tend to feel so tied to our identities, it's especially hard to turn it off. Trust me, I get it. So you have to be intentional to set healthy boundaries around work or else your inclination will likely be to work past the point of exhaustion because you love what you do and the fun parts of your job don't often feel like work, right? But even if you love what you do, If you never have a chance to step away and refill your tank, you're going to find that resentment starts to build. And I'm telling you, friend, resentment is toxic to the life of a small business owner. It's toxic to any relationship. And when resentment builds between you and your business, it's going to start to spill over into your clients and also potentially your personal life. It's so toxic. No one is going to come in and set those boundaries for you, though. You have to be the one to take the lead here. In his book, Rest, Pang talks about the default mode network, the DMN. It's a series of interconnected sections of your brain that activate as soon as you stop concentrating on an external task and you shift from outward focused to inward focused cognition. And so like you stop, like you're sitting at your desk, you're trying to force this problem to come to a resolution, you can't do it, you step away, you go on a walk, and that's when the DMN activates. You're no longer actively thinking about a problem. Maybe you go on a walk and you think about what you're going to have for dinner that night. This is when the DMN kicks in. And the interesting thing about the default mode network is that your brain is scarcely less active when in quote unquote rest mode than when you're actively puzzling through a problem. But it's a different area of your brain that's active, meaning the way that your mind is sorting through a problem, it's going to be different than how your active conscious attacks the same issue. And it's for this reason that I get some of my best ideas when I'm getting ready for a client call. I'm not thinking about anything other than making sure I move through my minimal makeup routine and that my winged eyeliner doesn't look lopsided and that I have a you know a wrinkle-free shirt to throw on before getting on my call, which means that my subconscious is still plugging away at an issue just in a different part of my brain. These answers or ideas that come to me when I'm not actively working on them are always problems that I have tried to solve while sitting at my desk, maybe staring at a blinking cursor in a Google Doc, trying to outline a new lesson or come up with a framework for a concept I want to teach, but I just can't seem to get it. I can't seem to land on something that feels right. I can sit and, as Winnie the Pooh says, think, think, think but I can't seem to force the issue to resolve itself, which means that extending my office hours, working longer, drinking more coffee, we call those liquid naps, that's not the issue here. The issue is that my brain needs me to rest because when I rest, my default mode network takes over and it attacks the problem from a different angle, seeing opportunities that my active conscious brain cannot see. Your work hours can be whatever you want them to be, but I strongly, strongly suggest setting those hours and sticking to them on a consistent basis instead of just assuming that you'll quit whenever you feel satisfied with what you've done for the day. Because the vast majority of us work from home, it is too easy to take your laptop to the couch with you after dinner or to sit in bed and scroll through your inbox before you go to sleep. 
Decide on your hours and then put those somewhere that your clients can see, like inside your email signature or your inbox autoresponder. This is especially important if you have a history of being available to your clients 24-7 and you want to pull back to enjoy your time off instead of feeling like you need to be on call. Honest hour. There is no such thing as a brand photography emergency. There is absolutely no reason why a client should need to get a hold of you at 11 p.m. on a Saturday night. The only time that a client might need to reach me outside of office hours is if we're within 24 to 48 hours of their shoot and something big comes up. And I'm talking big, like, oh my gosh, the venue just burned down. Or like, oh no, my kids are sick and they were an integral part of the shoot. What should we do? Or, well, this happened last week. Oh no, a hurricane is coming to Florida and we might need to reschedule because my shoot is right in the path of Hurricane Ian. (laughs) And so in those situations, my clients have my number and they can call me if needed. Here in the U.S., we are in the middle of an epidemic of overwork. People are spending longer and longer hours at work. The pandemic actually exacerbated this issue because you have these newly remote employees who are logging more hours at work Because they're working from home and those lines between work and play have been so blurred, it's hard to draw a line. And so they're logging more hours than they were before March of 2020. It's it's easy, like so easy to spend more time at work than is necessary because our society supports and even applauds this kind of behavior. The default behavior here seems to be when in doubt, overwork. And if your clients are practicing that in their own careers, you might worry that they expect the same thing from you. But as artists and as small business owners, we get to be the ones to set the tone for what a client should expect. In 99 times out of 100, a client's not going to get upset with you for having more limited hours as long as, here's the key principle, as long as you communicate those hours and let them know when they should expect to hear from you. If they're accustomed to you being available 24-7 and then you just start ghosting people for a week at a time, yeah, your clients are going to wonder what's going on. But... If your clients are used to be you being available 24-7 and then you communicate to them, listen, I'm scaling back on my work hours. I'm only available 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. or 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Monday through Thursday, then they'll know not to expect a response from you outside of those times. But this is where you need to be proactive, not reactive in your communication. I have never had a client begrudge me for not answering an email on the weekend because I've told them not to expect to hear from me on Saturdays and Sundays. So once you've decided on what hours work best for you, communicate your availability to your clients, and then make sure you're not pinging emails back and forth after the hours that you've stated that you will be accessible. If you do find yourself working late and you want to get an email written, don't send it unless unless there's a really specific reason to do so. Like maybe it's the night before a shoot and your client was emailing their lunch order over because you order lunch for everybody on set and you just want to ping back like, got it, no problem. I mean, you can do that. I probably still wouldn't. But like if there's a really specific reason for sending an email after hours, do it. But if not, if it's just you want to get it out of your inbox, do yourself a favor, schedule it with an app like the Boomerang app for Gmail. If I have to write an email after hours, I don't send it. I schedule it to send for like 8.05 the next day. It's a super easy workaround. I use Voxer, love Voxer. It's a walkie-talkie app. And I use that with some of my brand clients. And that one is a challenge for me. It's really easy to open up Voxer when I'm sitting in a stoplight or, you know, while my kids are napping. And it's easy for me to open that up and 
read a text or listen to a voice memo, but I know that if I do open up a chat, my clients can see that I have seen their note or listened to their voice memo. And I don't want to give the impression that I work 24-7. Even if it is easy for me to give a quick answer, I don't want to send it outside of my established work hours. And there are two reasons behind that. Firstly, because I don't want to communicate that my office hours are free to be disregarded. If I'm not respecting my own boundaries, how can I expect my clients to respect them, right? And secondly, because it isn't just a quick, short voice memo, it pulls me back into work mode. And especially if it's a problem that I can't solve right at that moment, it opens a loop that I can't close until the next time I'm at my desk, which causes me stress and pulls me even further into work mode when I should be doing something else. We learned this firsthand with maternity leave with our second kiddo, Teddy. Um, Teddy was born this past spring and I had uh, a hard hard time telling people no because with Teddy's adoption story we got the call on a Sunday on Mother's Day and 28 hours later we were in West Palm Beach with Teddy being placed in our arms and so I had a really hard time clearing my calendar because I had commitments that were already on the books Um, and I didn't want to disappoint anyone and so when we had friends that would text like hey can I ask you a quick business question or hey can I get your opinion on this real quick I was so used to saying yes and I didn't want to let anybody down that I I said yes at the beginning until I realized this isn't just a small thing. It's not just a, hey, can I can I send you a Vox real quick with a business question or, hey, can I ask your opinion on something real quick? Because even though it only took me 37 seconds to listen to the message and, you know, a minute or two to send my response, it pulled me out of mom mode and into work mode and it took me a little while to get back into mom mode. It was disruptive. And I, I wanted that time with my family to be as uninterrupted as possible and these little things that we think are innocuous or innocent they're not and it's not that the intent of the sender isn't innocent or innocuous but it's that that practice of allowing your brain to constantly be pulled back into work mode instead of experiencing these long periods long hours of uninterrupted time outside of work that's where the issue is because while you're already thought you're already thinking about work why not open up instagram answer a couple of dms and you know what why don't you check email while you're there too like it just starts to snowball and so that little thing that little 37 second voice memo that someone sent me turns into a whole lot more and i've learned that and i've learned that my time outside of work is worth protecting and so I have to be vigilant about not answering quote-unquote small things because I know it's not actually just a small thing. Getting back to office hours, if you know you have a specific end time, you are more likely to work diligently and less likely to dawdle or get lost scrolling on the internet and you're less likely to draw up this overly ambitious to-do list for your day. You know when you sit down and you're like, what should I do today? And you list out everything that needs to happen in the next three months and you get to the end of the workday and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't do anything. (laughs) Like When you don't have established work hours, it's easier to sit at your desk and continue to plug away your next three months worth of tasks because you feel like well the work is never done well of course it's not because you just listed out an inhuman number of tasks nobody could get that done in an eight-hour workday. so when you have those office hours it gives you a, a set time to stop and you're more likely to realistically estimate what you can get done in any given day so that means when you leave the office you're more satisfied because you know you did a good day's work instead of feeling guilty about the fact that you didn't conquer an inhuman number of tasks for the day 
You don't have to feel guilty for clocking out because you know that you're not supposed to be working after a certain time. That post-work block has already been budgeted for something else, whether that's family time or exercising or sitting on the couch and watching reruns of Parks and Rec, whatever it is you want to do. Whatever you end up doing in your off hours, you don't have to feel like you should be working because you've already established that the time off is both earned and needed. Rest is not a consequence. It's an essential part of being a well-functioning human and being a photographer who's capable of producing at your highest levels possible. So here's your homework. Sit down with a blank sheet of lined paper and divide it into columns, one column for each day that you plan to be in the office. So for me, that's five columns, Monday through Friday. Maybe you're only going to work Monday through Thursday or Sunday through Wednesday, or maybe you're Shea Cochran and you only work Tuesday, Thursday. Whatever days you choose, decide now what your start and end times are for each day of the week. Stick that paper on your wall where you're going to see it while you're working and commit to ending at that predetermined time each day you're in the office. Set an alarm on your phone if you have to, black out the times on your Google Calendar if that's what works for you. My natural alarm is my kids waking up from their naps. But if your end time isn't as obvious or attention grabbing as that, find some other way to signal to your brain that it is end time. Then you need to actually shut down your computer. Don't just put it to sleep in case you wanna come back to it later, power it all the way down, and then leave your workspace. And then I want you to go enjoy some of that life that you've been so busy making a living for. Coming up on the next episode is all about knowing when and what to outsource because part of being able to step away from your desk at the end of the day is knowing you did a good day's work. But if your desk is overflowing with unfinished tasks and important tasks keep getting pushed to the back burner, the issue might not be a matter of being more disciplined or finding just the right productivity system. The root of the problem might be that it's time to offload some of that work onto somebody else's plate. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode and head over to abbygrace.co slash podcast for even more resources to help you blow your clients away at your very next brand shoot. I'm Abby Grace and I'll see you next time. Now, let's go get after it, shall we?